0: Listening to Planet Pod, the podcast for everyone who cares about the planet. Really exciting program today, haven't we? Because we're talking to um, financiers about green finance and whether that really is a thing.
1: Yes, I it will be really intriguing to see just what is what, what do we mean by it. You know, um, I, mean, I suppose it's very largely it's about financing projects and programs which result in some sort of environmental improvement. But you know, how far do you go with that? You know, is that about uh, giving me money to uh, uh, to put insulation in my loft, or is it much you know is it much bigger than that?
0: Yeah I think it's uh, my sense is it's bigger it's actually about those big financial instruments whether they're bonds or mortgages or actually changing the culture of the financial institutions to make green finance a reality for, 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 for small investors and large investors because we have got to really shift the big dial as well as the small behaviours haven't we it's not just about us you know the personal green pound.
1: Absolutely and I think we've got some fantastic guests lined up and I'm certainly going to learn a lot as I do with all these pots.
0: Hello and welcome. Today we're talking about green money. It's years since we lost our own greenback, the pound note, but green money is back in the news and particularly green finance, which is actually not necessarily about cash, it's more about the wider economy. And it's certainly been something that's occupying the city particularly, but affects all of us wherever we are in our lives and at whatever stage of our journey we happen to be. So I'm joined in um, the studio today um, by my co-host Michael Manelli from Long Finance and our guests Anne Maria Cronin who's the Director of Quarterpenny Consulting and Sir Roger Gifford who's the Chair of the UK Government Task Force on Green Finance. So welcome, Michael particular welcome to you because you're the reason we're here talking about Green Finance again because um, you were with us on the pod some time ago. It feels to me as if there's a real groundswell and a movement here because the announcements that have been coming out in the last few months, such as you know UBS back in August saying that it's now got nearly 2 billion of assets through its sustainable portfolio, we've got NatWest um, pledging to deliver 10 billion of lending to UK Renewable Energies, green mortgages are, are abounding. It feels like a positive, rosy picture. Is that really the case?
2: Well, it's certainly the case that there's a groundswell, and I, and I think it is encouraging indeed. In fact, I just got back to, uh, from Climate Innovation Week in Dublin. The key thing wasn't that there was a conference where the entire EU descended and climate came. The key thing was actually the state of ministerial involvement. You know, from the Taoiseach on down, ministers kept coming into these meetings and really, really engaging with people. So there is a groundswell, but I think those of us who have been in this space for quite some time, we're always a little skeptical that when the good times are here, green is there, and then once it becomes a little bit of an issue, uh, economically it fades away, and we had that in the late 80s, we had that in the early 90s, we had that just after 2000, and we had it just after the financial crisis, so it does seem to come in waves, but yes, I, I am encouraged, this one seems hopeful.
0: So you feel it's kind of bedded into the thinking of the of the financial institutions and the city itself?
2: I personally don't believe it's bedded in. I believe that this time they are committed to worrying it through, if you know what I mean. They're, they're, they're now hooked enough to, to, to run this to the end. But at the end of the day, it depends on investor demand. Uh, at the moment, it's largely public policy-driven, a little bit of public perception. But we need to get mm-hmm. to the state where investors are genuinely saying, this is really the only way we want to invest.
0: Okay, and you have done a a global green finance index, haven't you, that's assessed some of that. But we're going to come back to it, because I think, so Roger, you were keen to just jump in there.
1: Yes, I mean, for the fun of the webinar, I'd like to disagree with Michael and say that I think uh, we are in the middle of an extraordinary revolution in the way that investors are looking at their money. Um, You Go on to the UNPRI website. Look at the proportion of assets that major investors are saying they want to put into ESG, Environmental Social Governance, uh, assets. Um, the, The green bond market is only 10 years old. It was started 10 years ago by a group of investors in Sweden who wanted to know that their money was going to a really effective Cause it wasn't just going to a borrower; it was going to a particular project, which was carbon reducing or carbon neutral at best, or as water purification, or, or whatever. But it's had a clear green label to it. And since that time, this bond market has gone from nothing to five hundred billion dollars outstanding. Still a very small figure by global standards, but pretty significant. And and in Sweden, particularly, you have you have had a revolution in terms of issuance by companies, where where um, where uh, in most local bond markets around the world, the, the, the percentage of assets which are in green is tiny. It's hardly even as point 0.1 in the UK or 1% in the States. It's actually now up to 4% of the total local bond market in Australia is green. That's pretty good. In Sweden, it's 16%. Of, total, of all the bonds issued are now green. It is not possible to issue some bonds in Sweden if they are not green in certain sectors. But people so, would
0: argue that that's a much much smaller economy. I mean, it's a
1: smaller small economy, but in it's terms smaller. of investor interest and demand coming round, that the, the figures quoted by the major institutions are massive for what they would like to see in ESG investment. Then you need to look at what the opportunities to invest are and what they, what's coming forward, and that's that's very much the um, the uh, the area that we're looking at is creating product, if you like, for people to invest in, because the investor demand is huge. It's now spread through to the banks, which are terribly keen to get hold of green lending opportunities. I think we've gone right in at the kind of the deep end, because Michael was making such an interesting point. Um, And I'm not sure whether it would be useful just to quickly summarise what green finance is.
0: Absolutely. Give us some (coughs) context, because I mean, I think it's, it, it, it isn't just about bonds and investment, is it? It's also about where that money goes and, and the organisations and the, and the projects that it goes into. Yes. And I think a lot of people say to me, well, it sounds great, but there aren't actually enough companies to invest in anyway. So, so we, what we don't want to be guilty of here is greenwashing. So, so yes, yeah, start us off with an explanation. Yes,
1: well, g- green finance, very simply, is finance that is specifically allocated to or attached to a green asset. So if I lend you a fiver... I'm not lending, I'd, I'd lend you a fiver as a, a, a any day, because I'm very <laughs> happy to do that. If I lend you a green fiver, I'm lending it to you so that you put that money into a particular green asset. You might be buying a, some, a water purification plant or part of a renewable energy Um but big won't do it. Let's we have to of that amount a bit. But it, it would be for a specific asset that you are, are, are investing in, or that you want to buy. So green, green finance simply means finance that's attached to a carbon-reducing or beneficial, environmentally beneficial asset. And it's the idea that by lending, or by either investing into or by lending to projects that have those characteristics, I as an investor or a bank feel I'm doing more with my money. I'm getting a bigger bang for the buck and I'm being more responsible with what I'm doing. So 10 years on from the financial crisis, it's a very attractive concept to bankers to get involved with.
0: And can we be really sure that there's due diligence and that money is actually going to where it says it's
1: going? So, a very good question. Every single green bond that's come out so far, particularly in the international markets, has an independent accreditation attached to that bond, which tells the investor, they can look it up, they can go and see the prospectus about the bond, they can say, yes, I believe, and it's independently certified as being green. Absolutely rigorously. Otherwise, it doesn't count as being a green bond under the ICMA principles, the green bond principles. There are, there have been issues in in other countries where you, 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 the, the 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 absolute um, the independent accreditation may be part of a framework or it may be part of a of a of, of a wider discussion about green that that institution is having. But so far, the the integrity of the of the asset to the to the finance has been remarkable. I mean, there will always be cases for discussion whether nuclear is green or not, whether clean carbon is green or not, but. The, the, the lovely thing about green finance is that it's very transparent so if an investor doesn't want to buy it they don't have to no one is making them buy something they don't want to buy
0: Anne-Marie?
3: What and you, yes, the, the other benefits of the, the, the green bonds of course is the, as you said, the transparency but also the eligibility of the, product, the projects that are um, under the green bond principles at least towards renewable energy projects, green buildings nature conservation, biodiversity conservation and it gives the investor, um, the whoever wants to look at these types of assets, gives them a clear understanding of the due diligence approach, the risk management approach, monitoring of onwards of the projects by whoever owns the whoever is in responsible for that green bond. And I think that's the, the uniqueness about the green bond principles is that there is very strict criteria, so you know the types of, of projects that um, are going towards
0: green uh, or sustainable financing. But but in my opinion, thinking those bonds are really for kind of big scale investors like institutions and banks. I mean, they're not affecting, you know, the, the person on the high street who may only have the fiverr, the tenor to invest. I mean, that's not, there's no access to a green finance market for, for, for us as general consumers, is there?
1: Well, there, there certainly is, but, but you have to recognise how each market works. Um the UK is not a bond buying market. We we tend to buy funds, we tend to buy stocks, we tend to put deposits, cash deposits with banks and with, with, with building societies. We don't tend to go out and buy a bond. So when when if if I as a member of the public wanted to buy a green asset in the in, in Britain I'd probably be going to registering, trying to get a fund, an environmentally beneficial fund, as it's how I'd be doing it, which is on the stock side rather than the lending side. But in other countries like Sweden, there's a very active, or Denmark, or indeed the States, there's a very active local bond market where people do have the choice, both across different credit, credit categories, but also different types of bond that they're buying, which is a tax revenue bond, or a municipal bond, or, or even a, a green bond in the States. And in Sweden, to come back to that, I mustn't mention Sweden to often, <laughs> to come back to Sweden, there's a very active uh, purchasing of green bonds by, say, municipalities, the city of Gothenburg or the city of Stockholm.
0: Why don't we have that? Because that sounds to me like a, if we're trying to shift the dial here and talk about more social investing, and I know social impact bonds were, were the flavour of the month of, you know, four or five years ago, and the government wanted to put a little money into that, particularly to support social welfare schemes. I mean, if, it, why can we not? Create a culture whereby investing in a, in a bond is a is a good thing for a for a domestic yeah, uh, investor
1: to do. We we have we have a culture of buying bonds. And we tend to buy gilts. The best the best uh, UK government gilt is the best investment you can you can buy. Um, so it's just the way the financial system has grown up in the UK. And that's how it is. We haven't we haven't encouraged a very active municipal bond market. The muni- municipalities in the UK. Tend to do their financing partly through banks, but either directly through to the government, through the public works loan board, and through the
0: but if we're talking about Treasury. trying to create more of us, I mean, if, what strikes me about what you've been saying, Roger, is this is a really this is about social engagement yes. with finance, isn't it? If we're trying to create a social engagement culture. Then making those bonds available to to you know to, to, to smaller investors, whether they're a local authority or you know or a, or a co-op or a small company or a CIC, surely that would be beneficial it, it, because it, it, a lot of those projects are actually quite low-level ground grassroots projects. They're not.
2: This is where I think I think you touched on a, on an interesting point, and in why Roger has got this really good perspective on Sweden. The, the the survey that we conduct, the Global Green Finance Survey, shows the variation globally. So. Know, the, the 500 billion in green bonds, which is just one market, is is a subset of an 80 trillion bond market. So you're looking at just over 1% being green bonds. And, and that's interesting, but it is concentrated. And so there are large areas where this just doesn't pick up. Your point, which is why don't we have this market again? We have different mortgage markets, different bond markets. So... so one of the things I think is interesting is in highly centralised countries like the United Kingdom or France where the bond market is concentrated and there's no municipal or local, if we're going to get some of this engagement, it implies we might want to consider ways of changing that. And In the United Kingdom, we're examining the idea that local authorities may in future be allowed to do more borrowing. That might be a stimulant to it because to some degree,
1: green is local. That's absolutely right and, and it would be great to have that. Local market. There have been one or two examples, such as the. Um, uh, it's, it's the not one of. The, I think Swindon Borough Council made a five million pound local financing for a green project, and they raised all that money locally. And, and that's the kind of that's the kind of um, local finance. It would be great to see um, come in a much bigger way. But but you're talking about the, the structure of a whole savings market. When 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 in the UK, people want to buy a fixed. Rate instrument or, or cash, they would tend to buy a fund or they tend to buy a, a bond of some sort from a, from a bank or a building society. They, if at all, and, and normally it would be gilts that they would buy because that's the biggest, most liquid market and mm-hmm. it's the best risk, it's the government risk. Mm. So
2: it's, it's but I think
0: there is a demand amongst consumers, isn't there? I mean, I was just kind of browsing around on the internet a couple of days ago, and I came across a, an ethical rating for ISAs. So yeah. you know, could you have an ethical cash ISA, which wasn't paying particularly less in terms of its percentage rate? And I thinking, well, that's interesting. That's interesting that someone would even be searching for that kind of a product. So there, there must be a kind of enthusiasm from from you know general investors for something like that. But can I just come back a little bit to the government task force that you were chairing, and you know, a very ambitious project with lots of themes. Um, how, how has it been received and what kind of energy is that creating? Do you think that's the vehicle for change?
1: Thank you. Uh, I think it could be a great vehicle for change. <laughs> um, the, the government the government asked, um, asked me to chair a, a group which is, took some 80 different companies, private sector companies, uh, involving about 150 people in total, to look at how we could green UK society as one of the major strands of the report. There's another strand around international, um, because of the work that the government does with China, with Nigeria, Brazil, India, very much focusing on international markets. But on the domestic part, we looked at how, where were the pain points? Where where were the difficulties of developing a green mortgage market or a green ISA market? Or, or, or indeed, why was investment in clean tech in the UK actually declining in the last few years? And uh, How do we under the, under the government's clean growth strategy? Because it was the BEIS and HMT that sponsored this. Uh, Claire Perry and Jean Glenn from the BEIS and and, and the and the and the um, Treasury s- sponsored the report in order to see how the clean growth strategy could be supported through green finance. H- how how do you, how do you interest? People, institutions in major infrastructure projects, particularly when, when they have the grand green characteristics. Um, and so the report looked at that. It came up with 30 recommendations under 10 major themes, um, which very much included ISAs and mortgages. Um, it very much looked at how we could encourage and develop greater investment in and um, greater in involvement in the whole society in green finance uh, th- through mortgages or through their savings products or through loans, however it was. As I say, there were about 35 different recommendations in under 10 different themes. That was produced in March, and the government, I would say, has already been enthusiastic in its response. Um, they immediately launched a £20 million um, clean tech venture capital fund, which has been matched by, by industry. They announced the um, the formation of a new Green Finance Institute, which is going to take all this work forward, which also requires some funding. And they gave... The, Some particular support to some of the more technical aspects in the in the in the GFT report, such as the need for standards around how you make green finance, what 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 it means to go through a green finance process. Um, It's a bit more work for a major issuer to do a green bond. So how they do that work, how they reach the accreditation of the project they're investing in, um, we felt needed some standardisation, and that's that's very much one of the one of the major areas of, of focus. Just just to finish off, it is quite a technical report. One of the other major areas of focus was on disclosure by companies, the TCFD, so-called the Task Force on Climate-Related Financial Disclosure uh, Report. And it very much supports that. It supports um, the direction of travel. Without making it mandatory, it's making a very strong um, push, very strong um, encouragement for companies to em- embrace TCFD and to become more involved uh, and to, to start producing reports which are both compliant with the with the spirit of it, which is about the strategy of your company, also producing better metrics around the the base uh, around uh, the, around the basic nature of the company and what it's doing.
0: Mm.
1: So that's rather a long.
0: No, that was really helpful, and Anne Marie, I know speaking, you've got yes, just picking up on your um,
3: discussion uh, point about you know how to help issuers. I mean, from my uh, background working in international financial development. For a European Bank for Construction and Development here and based in London, EBRD. Um, one of the products that um, EBRD was promoting through its um, investment in Eastern European uh, former Soviet Union countries was to help financial institutions actually who want to get into the bond uh, field. And because the EBRD, as like the IFC uh, in the in the US, have clear mandates around sustainable development and uh, investing. Uh, uh, based on key uh, environmental social criteria to bring that into the marketplace uh, within, the, within the countries um, that they're investing and in working with the financial institutions and giving them the, the tools of how to do all of this because okay. of the um, you know the capacity of these large international institutions have that uh, based on their own direct in- lending um, understanding of products and understanding of projects And so that was one of the the, the kind of the key um, parts these institutions play. Now, Poland was one country, uh, we were very heavily, uh, I was working with quite a few large uh, financial institutions there who want to get into green bonds, green mortgage lending. Um, And Turkey is the other country that was very heavily um, geared towards uh, bonds, uh, mainly because the country itself has huge capacity on renewable energy, energy efficiency. So a lot of the main top five, uh, financial institutions—they are very um, much on on looking at green financing and trying to be market leaders in that, and actually looking at how they take it on and develop it and actually um, make it better than you you yourselves would think would 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 be um, the case. As it, it's it's probably one of a very good case study yes. for someone to look at actually um, other countries and see what. The UK maybe could. Well, I'm not very familiar with what UK uh, as much as you, uh, Sir Roger. Uh, but I think there are there's lessons and experiences out there for people to to look towards. And mm. I guess your report, uh, Michael, is probably quite helpful in that in that respect as well.
2: So well yeah, we, we our idea was that you, you only start managing things when you start measuring them. And so we wanted to encourage financial centres. We, we originally had the idea of doing this in line with our Global Financial Centers Index over a decade ago, but that was premature. Um, MAVA Foundation, uh, the, the Swiss foundation behind a lot of green initiatives, kindly suggested that things are getting a bit late, so to do it even if it was slightly immature. And I, and I hesitate to kind of over over-egg the results or the importance of them. Um, I think there's another level, though, down from that, where we're seeing this wide variation. China, interestingly, does quite well. Europe does well, but loads of other areas, Africa, and South America, not much interest in green finance. Uh, the United States uh, doesn't make the top 10, San Francisco comes in at 11, so that's kind of a, an interesting area. There's a lot of difference as well about the depth and quality, but uh, I think where, we're, where we are, and we've been this in many other markets beyond green, is the areas of standards reporting and auditing are, are absolutely crucial. And we saw when we got that wrong in areas like the ETS or the voluntary carbon markets, they, they kind of fade away. This time around, that is another thing, I, I think, Amanda, that does feel different. There's a lot more emphasis on it. But this has also got to be an efficient mechanism because that's the only way you can get the smaller projects in. The smaller projects can't handle the overheads of a gargantuan reporting structure. And so a lot of the debate at the moment, I, I find, is about, is about pushing that. Another thing is that we're spending quite a bit of time on green bonds and there's a lot of other things out there, but there's actually a very important area of the bond market people ignore, and that's actually the, the sovereign debt. Mm. So you know, we're looking at about 10,000 companies can issue bonds roughly globally, we're talking about sort of 50 to 80 sovereigns. Now that's an interesting bit of governments sort of put their money where their mouth is. And now a lot of them are labeling. Ireland issued a very interesting uh, green bond of several billion uh, last month, I believe. But the problem there is that they're really putting it into general allocation. I'd be very interested in the government that said, we're going to set a target, say, uh, 50% renewables by 2040. And that actually, it was a bond that paid less interest, the better they did against that target, and more interest if they didn't. How they use that money, I don't care. And then investors who are working on green green projects can hedge effectively their investment in things like
1: clean tech or renewable energy, knowing that the government has targets it has to meet or it will cost them. I might point out, we, I mean, one of the, the features of the of the UK market is that we have had the Climate Change Act in 2008 for 10 years. We're celebrating its 10th anniversary right now. And frankly, that has given a, a very strong framework to a lot of energy finance in the last 10 years. And we're doing pretty well. We are the best in the G7 on our carbon reduction goals. Um, and, and, and a lot of the kind of finance that is behind that has not been labelled green finance because the, the concept of Green labelled finance hasn't been there, but a lot of it is. It's financing very good renewable projects. Nowhere is there a, a greater success story than what's happened with wind power, coming from $100, $120 um, a megawatt down to around 50 and, and in some parts of Mexico, for instance, down to even 25 or $30. Um, that's a phenomenal, phenomenal transformation in terms of energy cost. Um, we're seeing similar on solar power much of it financed over the last 10 years by by governments, by the, sometimes through through subsidy, yes, but, but very often, I'm sorry, it has been through subsidy a lot, but it's come to a situation now where the, the actual cost of finance is much lower. Much of that has been financed by by loans and, and, and by bonds which have not been labelled green. Yeah, and and
2: that's, uh,
1: this is an interesting point which gets us back to the definitional issues. Uh,
2: for example, I invested heavily in a company that's reduced power losses on High uh, high voltage, long distance by eighty five percent. Yes, but that's not green, but (coughs) it it is green. And so, you know, where do these investments go? But it's just about having those measurements. Yes, Uh, and I I agree with you completely that the framework uh, in climate in the UK has been pretty
1: good. Could be better, but it's amongst the best. But I think it's one reason why why we don't see a lot of green bond issuance in sterling is because anyway, the environment is already. Many people feel the environment's already green. Who needs to label it? Um, whereas in Sweden in, in, in Sweden's taken a different approach and you have a very strong drive to see what the money is actually ending up doing there, which we don't have in the UK.
3: And in some cases the money is pretty much ring-fenced as well, so it's not, you know, this is the other challenge you have is that, you know, you might be financing a project but your finance is going towards mm-hmm. a certain part of that project, not the, the entire project itself. So mm-hmm. how you measure mm-hmm. your uh, savings or your impact and how you're monitoring that, mm. that's, that's another challenge, so I think that's where we're probably going to have quite a lot of, there's always going to be challenges around uh, um, exactly where mm. every pound is, mm. is going or being saved. Um, the, 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 the,
1: this is, uh, the green is a fantastic, It's become a fantastic uh, global discussion. There, I, I haven't met a country in the world that doesn't want to get into the green finance space, the, the, the responsible finance, the allocatable, definable finance space. Um, but, as, but as I like to say, it's a, it's a global discussion. It would be local action and local delivery that makes the difference. And that's what the GFT report is really trying to do, it's trying to get very local in, into the interstices, the, interst- the, the interstitial pain points of why people don't buy green assets or don't make a green mortgage. Who, who wouldn't like to have a green mortgage at a quarter percent cheaper? Right. Why, why don't we have that market?
2: In the time available, um, could you just. The Green Finance Institute sounds like something that's really yes. going to be going forward in the city. What are some of the basic um, rails that we should be looking at? The
1: the, the the Green Finance Institute, briefly, will be will be collating a lot of the work the City of London Corporation has done with the government into a single institute and, and funding that, that effectively. Um, it will have three main parts. There's a domestic agenda following up on the GFT re- um, recommendations from earlier. There's an international part supporting both the government, but also London as an international finance centre t- doing... Um, green finance projects or investigating green finance with Canada, with the States, with France, with Germany, with China, whatever it is. Um, And then there's going to be a a new institute which is called the Centre for Climate Analytics. One of the the most difficult things we have is around disclosure, as we discussed, and data. We want the data to show what's really happening. The science must be right. If the science is wrong, this whole thing is a waste of time. The Center for Climate Analytics is going to be working between academe and the finance industry, linking them together to make that uh, very difficult connection between um, what's happening in the climate and what's happening on the ground with loans. And and, and in 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 ways, the the insurance industry get it because the insurance industry has been dealing with climate stress for the last 1,000 years or 100 years or however long the insurance industry has been going. It's been particularly active in the last 20 years. So they 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 understand the need for good data, Banks are more slowly getting into that space, assisted by the Bank of England and the PRA with the great report they made two weeks ago. Um, so, so, but it's it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a process.
0: So the message here is about a part of this cultural shift and change in financial thinking is about accountability and transparency, isn't yes. it? And I think that's absolutely key. I mean, I have a concern that there aren't enough... Things to invest in. I mean, there are, you know, I know there's a call in your report for for green uh, venture capital. I mean, if there aren't the businesses coming through, if there aren't the opportunities coming through, you know, the, the green bonds will be there and there won't be anything to invest in apart from the big, large scale infrastructure projects. And I think it goes back to your point about let's try and make this local as well. Because a lot of the change in the environment and in green is happening at local levels. Absolutely. You know, it's smaller businesses, it's 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 you know not-for-profit initiatives coming through with answers to those really difficult So a so final
1: mention of the work the London Stock Exchange is doing through FTSE Russell. They're working a huge amount on creating in indices and, and getting that data out there for individual companies. There are actually many others like Carbon Trust and Carbon Data are doing exactly the same work, finding out which companies... Are in the, are in a cleaner, greener space, so that we know what we're investing in. Yeah, there's we, a big, a lot happening in the bank,
0: as you would say, Michael. We can measure it and we can manage it. Yes, and you then can verify result, it. and we can verify it. Yeah. So there's a huge challenges ahead. I mean, I think. Uh, Clearly, there's a whole another program here, and we're going to have to have you all back (laughs) six months down the line to see what progress we've made. Um, Just as we close, is there one thing that you think you you know a call to action, whether it's for individuals or investors? What do you think we should be doing? What are the you know very briefly what are the things you would say you're challenged? Go
1: and ask your pension fund manager if you can invest in something other than stocks, bonds, cash, and funds. Go and ask them, can I please invest my pension in in a sustainable fund or or, or something which has a clearly a green message to it? Fantastic. simple ask them call them and
3: make mm-hmm, things yeah. simpler and easy to understand for people you know um, because it is a very complicated space to you know for the layperson to try and understand uh, what's available and I think a bit more
0: uh, transparency around um, the, these bonds of financing you know. um, we'll put all of those ref- links and um, guides and things up on our website um, along with some kind of pod shorts that explain some of these things in, in, in greater detail. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, it's been a fascinating discussion, and I definitely think we need a follow-up programme. You've been listening to Planet Pod, brought to you by Akil Management. Join us next time when we look at sustainable Christmases on location at Boar Place.